Hello there. We hope you've been enjoying Filthy Henry Case Files. We're almost ready for Season 3 to kick off. In fact, we'll be releasing a trailer next month. We recently passed our milestone of 10,000 listeners, so we'd like to say thank you to everybody for that. If you ever want to feed back on some of the episodes, just head on over to Reddit. We've set up a subreddit at OrFilthyHenry. We'd love to hear from you. Finally, though we intend for this podcast to always be free, and we don't really ask for much, if you did want to show your appreciation, please head over to buymeacoffee.com. The link is provided below in the episode description. Of course, this is completely optional. Your enjoyment is way more important to us than being caffeinated. Thanks a million for your time. Now, on with the show. Filthy Henry Case Files, Episode 5 The Fairy Who Came to Tea. Hallmark Day, as Filthy Henry liked to refer to Valentine's Day, was fast approaching, and Shelley could feel the sarcasm in the air. Not that she was one of those people who found romance to be abhorrent, but after years of working with the fairy detective, Shelley had started to come around to his way of thinking on certain topics. Romance, true romance that is, was something that should be done all year round with a multitude of little gestures a blanket put over somebody as they fell asleep on the sofa, a book you had been talking about randomly getting purchased just because the day happened to end with a Y, spontaneous dinner dates that marked nothing but the passing of a work week, people that went all out on Valentine's Day only to act like jerks the rest of the year were what gave the day a bad name and created cynics like Filthy Henry. The problem with cynicism, Shelley found, was just how contagious it could be. As she wrapped up some case file work on her laptop, the fairy detective walked into her office and dropped down into one of the chairs typically reserved for her clients. Shelley looked at him and frowned. People with manners typically knock before coming into somebody's office, she said. Well, people with manners typically pay rent to the owner of a building they have an office in, the fairy detective replied. Besides, isn't this what people do? Drop in unannounced at their co-worker's desk for a chit-chat that wastes company time and money. Shelley rolled her eyes. You've made it perfectly clear that while we both work at Celtic Investigations, we're not co-workers. Filthy Henry made a faux-shocked expression and leaned back in the chair. Me? Never. I'm the perfect partner when it comes to the detective industry. I leave you alone to work on your cases and pester you to help me solve mine. You don't have a case, do you? The fairy detective shook his head. Not a sausage. It's always the same around this time of year. If I don't get something by the end of January, then it's all quiet until March. I've often wondered if there was some sort of magical explanation for it. 
like maybe the fairies historically avoided doing things in February, as a tradition for some reason. Or maybe somebody cursed me to never have work one month of the year. Shelley finished updating the file, saved and closed the application, then shut the laptop lid. Don't you usually get jilted lovers or people looking for magical romances? Nope, that's Drew's neck of the industry. Drew the Druid, owner of the Druid Stone Magic Shop, was a charlatan and a conman as far as Filthy Henry was concerned, which was saying a lot, considering the fairy detective solved most of his cases using some sort of underhanded methods. The Druid ran one of the few genuine stores in Ireland, where you could buy actual magical objects and ingredients. But he also sold lumps of coal that kept elephants away from your garden. It was always hard to really describe what the relationship between the detective and Drew actually was, other than slightly abusive, as Filthy Henry regularly took things from the shop without paying for them. All in the name of the greater good, of course. To hear that the Drew had made money around Valentine's Day targeting romantic souls was not actually all that surprising. It was in the same vein as shops who put their prices up 50% on the fourth Wednesday in November, so that when they reduced them for a Black Friday sale, they were technically not being dishonest. So what's going on? You want to actually help me on a few of my cases? Before the fairy detective could answer, there was a knock on the front door. Filthy Henry raised his hand over his head and clicked his fingers loudly three times. Out in the hallway, Shelley heard the locks opening followed by three hinges crying out for a drop of oil as they opened. Come in, Filthy Henry shouted out her office door. Second door on the right, and straight on till morning. Filthy, Shelley hissed at him as she stood up, walked around her desk and stepped out into the hallway. At the front door stood a well-dressed gentleman, maybe in his early forties, rubbing his hands nervously together while looking into the building. He glanced left and right, then stepped inside and closed the door. Celtic Investigations, he said. That's us, Shelley said. Why don't you come in and tell us how we can help you? With a couple more nervous rubs of the hand, the man nodded and followed her down the hall into Shelley's office. Filthy Henry had vacated the armchair and was perched on the edge of her desk with his arms crossed. He smiled politely as the client walked in, indicating for them to take a seat. The client sat down, while Shelley walked back around the desk and took up her own seat. Pushing the laptop aside, Shelley took a notepad out of a desk drawer and pulled the pen free from the spiral spring. I'm just going to take a few notes, she said to the client. Now, Mr... Right, the client said. Preston Wright. Bet you're always dating the wrong sort of person, Filthy Henry said, grinning. I don't follow, Preston responded looking at the fairy detective with confusion. The fairy detective shook his head a few times and made a dismissive gesture with his hand, a move Shelley had seen him do a hundred times when one of his jokes failed to land. Mr. Wright, Shelley said, leaning in slightly to show that her client had her undivided attention. Please tell us how we can help you today. Preston Wright started rubbing his hands nervously again, circular motions as one hand moved over the other. Shelley could see the man's face a little more clearly now. There were bags under his eyes. From lack of sleep, one could guess. He didn't seem to be tired, but Preston was definitely not getting good rest at night. She jotted down on the notepad, not sleeping, and circled it a few times. It might be nothing, or it could be everything. From the corner of her eye, she saw Filthy Henry read the note. 
Shelley looked up at him. He gave her a slight nod, approving her observation, before he turned his attention back to the client. This is going to sound crazy, Preston said. I mean, I'm going through it, and even I think I'm crazy. But I know I'm not crazy. I just didn't know who to turn to. A doctor wouldn't have helped. I'd just get meds to sleep, which won't work. I know they won't work. They won't allow them to work. They? Both Shelley and Filthy Henry asked in unison. Preston slowly swallowed and licked his lips. My dinner guest, he said in scarce more than a whisper. Oh, it's a dating situation. Well, in that case, I'm out, Filthy Henry said, standing up and walking out of the office. See, I knew you wouldn't believe me. Just ignore him, Shelley instructed her client. There are two detectives here, and one of them is going to help you. Now, what is it about your dinner guest that's causing you trouble? If somebody has invaded your home, maybe you should get the Gardee involved. The Gardee, or guards as they were also referred to, were Ireland's police force, generally very capable of dealing with unwanted visitors in a person's house. Preston shook his head. No, I've tried them already. Two different stations, in fact. One desk sergeant laughed me out the door and offered no help at all. The second seemed to believe everything I was saying. Then they explained how they couldn't help me in an official capacity, but that Celtic investigations would be worth checking out. Shelley didn't need any further details on that topic. Chances were that Preston had spoken with a leerling in the second police station. A fairy with the power to transform from human form into that of a swan. They typically worked in the police and health areas, so that if people did come in with magical problems, they could be redirected to Filthy Henry. It was a way to prevent the mortal world from finding out that the fairy folk walked among them. Well then, you're in the right place to get help, she said, tapping the ball of her pen on the page. So, tell me everything, and don't feel like any details are too crazy. Crazy is what we work with around here. You've seen my partner. Preston turned slightly in the chair, looking over his shoulder and out the door into the empty hall. Yeah, he said. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Very well. For the past three weeks at the stroke of eight each night, I'm visited by a fairy who wants to eat dinner with me. But unless I display perfect table manners, they won't leave at the end of the meal. At dawn's first light, they finally disappear, but I'm kept awake all the way through. I guess with magic. All the while we sit at the table, and I try to figure out what table manners will finally let me sleep. Shelley jotted down some shorthand notes of what Preston Wright described, then looked across her desk at the man. If he was not sleeping, that explained the bags under his eyes, and the nervous hand-rubbing as well, potentially. But Preston did not look like the sort of person who would make things up for attention. There was something going on. That was certain. Whether or not it was magical in nature, however, that was another question. What exactly makes you believe this is a magical visitor? Shelley asked, trying to keep her tone from sounding as if she did not believe what he had said. I mean, it could just be that they are drugging your food, no? Preston nodded, the motion of his head causing his entire body to start rocking back and forth slightly. No, he said, waving a finger at her as if she had stumbled upon the right line of questioning. No, you're right. You see, that's the bit that nobody else believes me on. The first night they showed up, I was home on my own. The place securely locked tight. As I passed the dining room window, the lights turned on, and there they sat, food laid out on the table, without knowing how. I suddenly found myself sitting at the table being served by them. 
but the room itself was entirely different. It wasn't my dining room. It was like a dining hall from a castle. All burning torches and walls and stonework. That does sound strange, Shelley said. Well, it wasn't a dream, Preston cut her off. I'm sure it wasn't, because I cut myself by accident and the next day the cut was still there. After this happened two more times, I decided that staying in my house was no longer an option. I booked a hotel room down in Kerry. I ate in the restaurant surrounded by people and felt like I'd sleep well that night. When I stepped into the elevator to go to my room, I was once again back in the dining room. My guests served me food and wouldn't even listen to me when I said I'd already eaten. I woke up the next morning in my own house, my car still down in Kerry. Shelley wrote down the word teleportation on her notepad and underlined it. Her understanding of the magical mode of transport was that it required a lot of energy to cast successfully, with a high degree of skill to ensure a person arrived in one location, looking the same way they did when they departed from somewhere else. Filthy Henry could teleport to a degree, but moving a living creature safely practically drained him of all his magical energies and left him defenceless as a result. For some ferry to teleport a person clear across the country, without being there beside them, meant that they were dealing with somebody serious. We'll take the case, she said, reaching across the desk and offering press in her hand. He grinned like an insomniac Cheshire cat, gripping her hand and shaking it firmly. That's great news. Fantastic. I figured if maybe you'd come to my house this evening, you could witness the events for yourself. Well, that sounds like a good a start as any, Shelley said. Preston reached over, scribbled his address down on the notepad and stood up to leave. Thank you so much, he said. I thought I was going crazy. But if you seem to think there's something here, then I'm grateful for any assistance you can give me. With that, Preston Wright turned and left the office. Shelley heard the front door of the building open, her client step outside and the door close behind. Filthy! Shelley shouted from her seat. We have to go to Preston's later for dinner. No, thanks, the fairy detective shouted down. If he wants to use the worst pickup line in history to get you to go on a date with him, then that's on you. Enjoy working this one solo. I've got some grass I painted earlier that I'm going to watch dry and grow at the same time. For science. Shelley had not been sure what to expect when she stepped out of the taxi. Usually, she would have checked the address online to see what the map might reveal. Blindly heading towards the destination without doing any research was much more filthy Henry's wheelhouse of bad planning. Fortune favoured the fool, as Shelley's mother used to say. Even still, a house in Malahide with a front and back garden that faced out to coastal views was not what Shelley had expected. She went through life making no assumptions about people based on limited information, but Preston Wright seemed to really be leaning into the stereotype of the rich. The wrought iron gates were flung wide, so Shelley walked right in and up to the front door. Before she could press the bell button on the left, the door was opened to reveal Preston standing on the other side. I was so worried you didn't believe me. I thought maybe you'd said that in your office earlier, just so I'd leave. Shelley smiled slightly and shook her head in the negative. Not at all, Mr. Wright. Oh, call me Preston, please, he replied, moving aside and gesturing for her to follow him into the house. Preston, then, Shelley said, stepping inside. The interior of the house was just as beautiful as the exterior. All polished marble tiles on the floor an ornate golden-framed artwork on the walls. 
Looking around, Shelley figured that the front hall of Preston's house would have fit her entire flat with room to spare. It made her wonder if now was the right time to rethink some career choices. Being an artist and a detective may have been good for the soul, but neither job was particularly good for her bank balance. You have a lovely home, Shelley said, looking around and hoping her tone lacked any hint of jealousy. Oh, thanks, Preston said, closing the door. It's been the family now for a few generations. Please, follow me. I want to show you exactly how things are right now. We don't have much time. He walked down the hallway and entered a door on the right. Shelley followed, noticing how her runners squeaked loudly on the tiled floor. She half expected the librarian to come running at her, waving their arms in the air and declaring that too much noise was being made. A hint of PTSD from Shelley's time in the Irish education system, she figured. Back when children should be seen and not heard. Entering the dining room, Shelley took in the details quickly at a glance. It was straight out of a movie set. A large wooden dining table with four high-backed chairs took up most of the space. The table was devoid of any dishes or cutlery. Instead, it was covered with sheets that looked like financial reports of some kind, with a laptop nestled in the centre of the organised mess. More ornate framed artwork hung on the walls. So you eat in here regularly? Shelley asked Preston. Standing in front of the window, Preston turned around with his arms crossed and shrugged. I have for the last three weeks, he said. Typically I eat out. It's only since the magical guests started showing up that I've been dining in here. I usually use it as a large office desk. So you rarely entertain? Well, never, Preston said. That doesn't involve cooking and cleaning, neither of which I'm likely to get involved in. Shelley flicked on her fairy vision and looked around the room once again. Usually using her magical sight, Revealed things that mortal eyes would never see. An enchanted object causing all manner of mischief, or a curse running away in the corner of the room. Sometimes it was genuine fairy involvement, other times just bad luck that a mortal had stumbled upon something from the magical side of the tracks. Disappointingly, the room was devoid of anything that did not belong there. It was, for all intents, just a dining room. Shelley knew deep down that this was going to be the case but it would have been immensely satisfying if she'd been able to solve the case just by taking away a cursed monkey paw. The fastest filthy Henry had ever solved a case was one day. Solving this one inside a few hours would have had Shelley holding the record for years. Right, Shelley said. First things first. You've invited me to your home, so under the rules we need to ensure that I'm viewed as a guest of this house. The rules? Preston asked. Was that... Capital R at the start of that word. That's impressive. Shelley nodded. The rules are what govern the fairy world, but some of those same rules have blended into mortal culture, just enough so that it means a fairy would have to follow them. I'm thinking if we follow the Irish rules of hospitality, that it will prevent me from being removed from the house when your magical guest arrives. Preston shrugged his shoulders and let out a long, sad sigh. It's worth a shot, I guess. My grandfather told me all about these hospitality rules, but I never thought they had any magical basis. Would you like a cup of tea and a slice of cake? Shelley grinned. Sometimes, just sometimes, it was immensely entertaining to have to follow a bunch of rules that were not so much written down, but rather ingrained in the very genetic makeup of the Irish people. Oh no, I'm grand, she said. 
which was the correct response to the question Preston had asked. Oh, you sure now? Because I'm making one for myself, he replied, pausing as he clearly tried to recall the next question to ask. I'm just over my lunch, Shelley said. This little dance was one of Ireland's oldest and least documented traditions. It would have been quicker to meet a man named Lawrence in Arabia and perform several Masonic handshakes blindfolded. But some traditions were important. And in order to ensure the fairy had no wiggle room, Shelley and Preston had to play this one out in full. Preston clicked his fingers and waggled a finger in the air. The gesture of a true Eureka moment. I remember it now. Okay, well, sure I will just make a cup for you anyway, and if you want to join me, that's fine. He walked out of the dining room and headed down the hall, Shelley following two steps behind. They went into the kitchen, which was a sight to behold. It was all polished chrome, granite worktops and not a dirty utensil in sight. Preston had not lied, it seemed. Cooking at home was just something he did not do. Even finding some tea bags for their drinks took a few seconds of searching the cupboards. I've some dessert in the fridge, I think, he said, after flicking the switch on the kettle started boiling. Other than that, I'm not sure what I could do for cake with our tea. Well, the tea should have us covered, Shelley said, checking the time on her watch. When does the show usually start? You said earlier it was at eight every night. Right, Preston said, nodding a few times. Usually it's about eight, so we have another fifteen minutes. He crossed his arms and stared down at the floor in silence, while the kettle boiled on the counter behind him. Clearly the impending approach of his dinner guest was starting to weigh on his mind. In similar situations, Filthy Henry would continue to press and pry for information from the client, with total disregard for their feelings. Shelley, on the other hand, wanted to build her business up to a level that people felt comfortable dealing with her. Looking around the kitchen, she spied the conservatory that faced outwards towards a beautiful view of the marina and sea. Lambay Island was visible in the distance, home to wallabies and other wonders. You really do have a lovely home, Shelley said, her change of topic hopefully going to help Preston not focus on what was about to happen. Like a cauldron boiling, the kettle wobbled on its stand briefly before clicking off. Preston lifted it up, filling two mugs with hot water and dropping a tea bag into each one. He picked the mugs up, one in each hand, and walked over to Shelley, offering her one of the cups. He smiled. You really don't do any food or drink preparation yourself, do you? Shelley said, taking the mug from him. Have you got any milk? Preston frowned and looked over at the fridge. Uh, might be a bit solid at this stage. Or green. Does milk go green when out of date? Cheese. That's out of date milk, right? Before they could continue the disturbing conversation about dairy products and their expiration dates, a bell rang three times from the dining room. Preston's eyes opened wide with fear, the hand holding his mug of tea shaking so much that the beverage was spilling all over the place. He's early. Dinner's about to be served. Placing his mug down on the nearest countertop, Preston took a deep breath then trudged out of the kitchen and down towards the dining room. Shelley followed close behind, noting that the man's shoulders were slumped, his head hung low. Whatever awaited them in the dining room was clearly weighing on Preston greatly. The man's sombre mood began to affect Shelley. She wasn't quite sure what waited for them in the dining room, or whether or not she might be in over her head. 
Filthy Henry Case Files, The Fairy Who Came to Tea, is an original story by Derek Power. Narration and music by Niall Milton. Part 2 of this story is available immediately on your platform of choice. And if you wouldn't mind, maybe leave a like, or subscribe, or even share it with one of your friends. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks a million. <laughs>